Okay, stand by, Derek. You're on live in five, four, three, two. Action. Fantastic. Uh, welcome to Monday Night Live, the Christmas edition, the last edition for 2021. I've got 37 guests on tonight live. And if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this on the Negotiators podcast, welcome. We're, this is the mind and body edition. And therefore, we're going to start off with the first body chip tip from my friend, the physiotherapist, Alison Gross. Ali, are you there? Hello, Derek. Yes, I'm here. Merry Christmas, everybody. Great to see you all. Um, so as usual, my tips will be about how to sit well, how to breathe well, and how to not make all those things that make our back hurt at Christmas. So my first person came in last week with a, the Christmas-related injury. I have a little chart to tick them all off. And this one was sawing the trunk of the Christmas tree, bent over too much, sawing with his saw, forgot to stretch, and so he had to come see me. Good for me, not, not so great for him. Well, it was afterwards, so... So what I'm gonna say is um, just remember your posture. We all forget it. We all sit there watching television at the dinner table chatting. Well, that's a bit rude, but people do it. So remember, just sit up straight, get those shoulders back and just get your ears away from your shoulders. Imagine you've got a pair of earrings that you don't want to dangle on here. Sorry guys, but you know, anyone can imagine that. And then just keep your shoulders back and you'll feel so much better. And then remember to move a bit because people also get stuck in one position for a long time. So it's a really great idea just to turn your head, you know, side to side, move it around a bit, get your shoulders going backwards and just don't get stuck in that static position where your muscles build up with lactic acid and you start to ache. So there we go. Remember to move and remember your posture. Thank you, Derek. Thanks, Ali. And we may come back to you later. So stay on standby. Last okay. year, Phil Jesson in, in lockdown wrote this, um, wrote this book from Survive to Thrive, 365 tips. And guess what? Phil's sold out and he's just about to send in a new order and he's coming on the show in February and March. Phil, many congratulations on what you did. The, all the proceeds went to the National Health Service. And have you got a couple of tips for us today? Yes, thank you very much. And apologies for having to leave early. As you mentioned, Derek, my lovely wife is COVID positive, so I'm on duty. Um, yes, so this uh, particular tip is all about the goals that we're going to set for next year. And on that point, of course, some people love goals. Other people do not like goals. They're very keen just to enjoy the journey. And of course, there's an argument for both. And I, and I fully understand that. But I'm from the school that says, well, if you know where you're going, you're already halfway there. And this technique I'd like to share with you is called Future Back. And today, of course, is the 20th of December, 2022. And that's the date I would like you to imagine that it is, the 20th of December, 2022. 22, one year's time from now. So imagine that it's the 20th of December, 2022, and you are looking back in time at the 12 months of the year. You are feeling 100% happy. You are feeling 100% successful. Everything that should have gone right has gone right. It's your best year ever. You can see it. You can feel it. You can taste it. You are raising a glass with your other half. So my question for you, not necessarily for today, but my question for you 
is that as you look back from December 2022, at your best year ever, what would have happened in your personal life? What would have happened in your business life? And if you can identify three things that would have happened in your personal life to make it the best year ever, and three things that would have happened in your business life to make it the best year ever, then that is the technique that I'm talking about. So future back is what it's all about. And if you know where you're going, you're already halfway there. And Phil, you. how much did you raise for the NHS with the first version of your book? Uh, the, the first version of it uh, topped two and a half thousand pounds and uh, another 1,500 pounds has been raised on top of that. Oddly enough, about 800 pounds this week, actually. Um, so that's all good news. And um, thank you for your support on it, Derek. And uh, we donated a small amount of money to the NHS central pot but the majority of the money, we wanted to know exactly where it was going. So we put some money into a charity uh, that is fighting uh, suicide for doctors and nurses. Uh, and we also put some money into various uh, local uh, NHS charities across the county. So all going well. And if you've uh, had a copy of the book. I know, I know I'm looking at Graham there, bottom right. I know Graham, you, you very kindly bought some copies and I can recognize a few familiar faces on the screen now who uh, also bought some uh, copies. So thank you very much for your support. And uh, if anyone wants a copy of Phil's book and can't get hold of it, just let me know and I'll forward it on, I'll forward it uh, on to Phil. That's uh, absolutely fantastic, Phil, and uh, well done. It's pretty, we haven't got David Skinner on at the moment because he's helping organize coaching for COVID, which is coaching for doctors and nurses and people in the NHS who are stressed out from the hours they're working and for some of the things that they have to go through, which are actually unbelievable. I'd like to cross the pond now to Tim Durkin, who wrote the smallest book of the year, Points of Impact, and sent me a number of signed copies. Tim, are you there? And have you got a tip for us for 2022? I sure do. And hello, everybody. So happy to be here. So happy to see my friends across the pond and my friends here in the United States. What a day. I've been looking forward to this. Okay, so um, it, 2022 is going to be a year for, I believe, more deeply understanding. Um, what is it that we need to know about ourselves? And one of my favorite phrases and exercises is to recognize the fact that many of us live uh, under the tyranny of a to-do list. And I think it's just as important. And for years I have been creating not just a to-do list, but a to-don't list, a let go list, a list of things that I need to let go of in order to get what it is that I want. But we happen to be at a perfect time of the year for doing something that is going to make the let go list even more powerful. It's something that I learned from my speaking buddy, um, Randy Gage, and I've been doing it for almost 18 years now. And here's what you do. You take a pad of what we call in the States post-it notes. And what you do is you write down things that you're going to let go of. They could be things for diet, like French fries or what you might call chips. You take that, you mess it up, 
and you drop it in a bowl. Then you take something, sugar drinks, okay? Sugar drinks like this, which is absolutely no good for you. You might want to let go of sugar drinks. Next thing is you might let, want to let go of fear. There's people in power that want to make sure that we live in a state of fear so that we're perhaps easier to control. And then it might happen that there's some energy vampire in your life and you might want to take uh, write their name down on the post-it note, or if you don't want their name, you might want to write their initials and do that. And then what you want to do is you want to take a lighter and you want to set all those things on fire. Randy calls this the burning bowl ceremony. The best day to do this is December 31st in light of the new year. Instead of making New Year's resolutions, which I've done a lot, I've discovered that it's much better to make New Year's dissolutions because, and I'm gonna put this over here, because I've discovered that when I make a resolution, which is to work out before breakfast in the morning, it becomes second nature to me. Not working out before breakfast in the morning becomes first. So what I discovered, I couldn't keep resolutions, but with the help of the burning bowl, it's absolutely no problem at all. Burning bowl, let go list, my tip for 22 to give you greater understanding. Tim, that's fantastic. Uh, thank you very much. I've still got a couple, I've still got three or four copies of uh, Tim's book, Points of Impact. So if anyone in Britain wants one, let me know and I'll put it in the uh, in the post to you. Just one thing, Tim, I was in a workshop with a magician called Simon Zucci. Some of some people will know Simon and he did that trick. And all of a sudden the fire alarms went off and the fire brigade was that were on their way. So I really don't uh, recommend that uh, you do that. It was hugely... Well, you, you can also do it with a fireplace. You can do it with somebody else. I prefer to make it private, but I have given this idea to people and they turned it into kind of a, a ladies night or a girls night out um, where they talk about things and process things. Um, so there's there's many variations of it, but the ritual seems to make it work a little bit better. OK, well, I'm going to switch over to um, back to the UK now to Graham Jones. And then after that, I'm going to go to uh, Patricia Fripp in San Francisco. So you'll need to unmute yourselves and then to uh, Mike Williams about cultures. So uh, uh, over to you, uh, Graham Jones. What's your uh, advice for 2022? Before I do that, Derek, um, I have a post-it note here for you. So I'm going to put it in the post for you because then you can dispose of it. Um, so if you can't quite see that, it says you've got to give up supporting Arsenal. But never mind. Um, I'll post that to you. Um, <laughs> and then you can dispose of that um, as soon as you can. Um, Derek rang me earlier and said, do have a tip, won't you? And he, he joked that... Um, I should give a particular tip uh, because I've mentioned it uh, several times. He was joking that I've sometimes put him in, dropped him in the deep end by asking him to do something with literally no minutes notice. And so he was said he was being very kind to me by giving me a one hour notice. Um, and so he told me then the tip that I should give, but I'm not going to give that one, Derek. <laughs> because <laughs> you gave me an hour to think at uh, so, uh, the tip uh, which actually comes uh, which i've said before 
But it's just worthwhile remembering that the first COVID cases were reported more than two years ago. They were reported back in October 2019. And so we've had over two years of doing things like this. And yet still every day I see people who don't understand how to use digital technology. And it's crucial, absolutely crucial. Uh, it's going to become even more important. Um, and so understanding and getting to grips with all kinds of digital technology is fundamental to everybody's future. And it's no good saying I'm no good at technology or I've got a tech person who does that or any of those kind of things. It's your responsibility. This is what you've got to do. So getting to grips with digital technology is what you've got to do. And there are even people who ring you an hour before you go into a meeting like this, who then ring you from their pocket about 20 minutes later without realizing they've done it. So I um, just thought I'd mention that, Derek. Um, <laughs> yeah, so get knowing how to switch your phone off and stop it ringing other people, an important part of um, what we need to know these days. So get to grips with digital technology and your future is assured. Uh, there's one other thing before I finish, Derek, I just wanna thank Tim uh, because a while ago, he uh, wrote something to a publisher to help me get a book accepted. The book was accepted um, and it's due to come out early in the new year. So thanks very much indeed, Tim, for your recommendation to the publishers. Thank you. Right, my congratulations pleasure. on the book. Um, that means you'll have to come back on the show and uh, <laughs> give us all the tips. And thank you for your kind remarks about Arsenal. And thank you for this mug, which you sent me for Christmas. It says, I support Arsenal. And this is the only cup I'll, they'll, I'll be getting this year. So um, <laughs> thanks very much for all your help and support. So now we're going to cross the pond, 5,432 miles exactly to Patricia Fripp in San Francisco. Are you there, Patricia? Of course I am here hanging on everybody's words. I would like to, one, congratulate Phil on the money he's raising and to pick up on his idea two specific ways. One, it is a great technique to open your presentation with imagine it is one year from the day and you paint the picture very much as he did. Then you go into the body, welcome to whatever you're teaching them. And then at the end, you go back to that first picture and just say, will that be a reality? It all depends if you take action on what you heard December the 20th, 2021, then you do your review. As we look at creating the year that we want, one line I came up with when I was considered more of a motivational speaker, and believe me, I tell it to myself on a very regular basis. And that is, tell me what you say you want. Show me one week of your life. And we both will know if you'll accomplish it. It's daily disciplines that help us get what we want. One other idea 
Whenever you talk to a prospect or a customer who wants you for another assignment, never thank them for their time. Everybody and their mother-in-law, no matter what they are selling at any price point, thank their prospect for their time. I work on the principle, they're busy, but no busier than you are. The approach is because if you sound the same as everybody else, you have no advantage. You say, thank you for the opportunity to discuss if our offerings might be what you are looking for. With that, naturally I could go on, Derek. However, I'm a bossy person who takes orders very well. I pass back to you. Thanks, Patricia. That's fantastic. And I hope you're going to join the show with some of your uh, some of your more tips uh, in this spring. Thanks very much indeed. And uh, now to Mike Williams, who spent a lot of time in the, in the Far East and the Middle East for uh, a tip from Mike. Are you there, Mike? Yeah. Hi, Derek. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you all again. It's been a while since I um, joined this elite bunch of people. I, I feel quite humbled by my sort of rather basic tips because you've got some real professionals on here. But uh, I've got two tips. One of them is if Derek asks you to join him, make sure or check with him whether he expects you to come up with a tip with no notice whatsoever. Um, and I should know him well enough now to, to know that Derek's going to put you on the spot a bit. Um, so culture, I, I've talked a bit before, those of you who um, have heard me might find this a little bit repetitive, but on two things really. One, on the need not to make assumptions and, um, and take everything at face value. And secondly, uh, the need to understand cultures. Um, I started a new role halfway through this year with, uh, with a new institution um, based in the Middle East, so with some similarities to the things I've done before. And I'm in the process of going through this, I, um, I, it came to light that the cultural aspects of this particular organization were totally different from every, anything that I come across before for, for all sorts of reasons. And that sort of reminded me that um, when you move into a new territory, a new role, don't assume that you know everything about that organization or even that your past experience is necessarily relevant. And I've and it's not been easy during COVID to do any of this. And great as these Zoom and Teams meetings are, it's not the same as actually sitting with people and talking to them and getting to understand them. And um, so I think it's 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 made doubly difficult by that. So my tip is is you, you never forget that you can continue to learn about these things. And actually, that you can't put people in little boxes and you can't put organizational culture into little boxes. Everything's a little different. And the dynamics of uh, COVID have made the whole process much more difficult. So don't assume, don't stop learning, don't stop talking to people. Um, make sure you understand that um, people have their own challenges, particularly in this environment. And um, I think let's hope it's all a little easier next year, but um, uh, it's refreshing being able to continue to learn even at my ripe old age. And uh, but people are great and it's that's the biggest fun about doing anything i think brilliant mike thanks very much and uh, over to uh, godfrey if you're there godfrey and then to jane gunn and then we'll hand over to to esther godfrey i did give godfrey 10 minutes notice mike so that was more than i gave you i know so uh, if you're there godfrey i 
am, and I was even on another phone call and I interrupted for Derek because I knew what was coming and I was right. He was asking me for a little tip. <laughs> Happy Christmas, everybody. Lovely to be with you all and great to see such a fantastic turnout uh, this time. Once upon a time, when I was uh, a new financial investigator trying to win new business, um, I was after a particular lawyer in a law firm and uh, he came to me one day and he said he had a huge court case coming. He needed to gather evidence. and Maybe I was the person, uh, but there was some activity going on in this uh, subject's back garden. Could I film uh, this activity and provide the evidence? Now, that's a pretty easy job to do, but my reply was, no, I can do that, but I won't. It's illegal. And even if I got the evidence, it wouldn't stand up in court. And there was me telling a prospect, a solicitor, how to do his own job. And he grinned at me and he said, I was just testing you, Godfrey. I'd love to work with you and form a relationship. And so the message is quite simple. Be legal, be ethical, stay legal and ethical and develop long-term relationships. Don't necessarily go for the quick win, which won't get you anywhere. So build long-term relationships and stay true to your values. Thank you, Derek. Thanks, Godfrey. Um, do you think he was testing you or do you think he just said that because you turned him down, it would be illegal? Who knows? I can tell you more, but um, yeah. it illustrates the point so well. Now, before we get into um, into the session that Esther's going to run on uh, conflict and negotiations over Christmas, um, let's turn to our um, conflict resolution guru, lawyer Jane Gunn. Uh, are you there, Jane, with your tip? Yes, and I've even got an article to post in the chat box, which is all about managing conflict at Christmas. So I'll post that there as well. That's uh, on LinkedIn today. So I've got a few tips for managing Christmas, how not to be treading on eggshells at Christmas. Um, got a few just written down here. Set clear boundaries with your family and friends. Have a strategy to deal with difficult relatives. Beware of psychological games and plan for meltdowns. We always have meltdowns in our family. <laughs> I shan't tell you who it is, but... <laughs> Plan for the meltdowns, expect them, have a strategy to distract people and children who uh, throw a wobbly at some stage. And the final one is have realistic expectations. So there's 10 tips in the article I've just posted. Uh, if you'd like, it sounds like your advice from wedding advice. Yes, Amy. <laughs> Absolutely. There's 10 tips there uh, in an article I had published in HR Director all about managing eggshells at Christmas. Congratulations, Jane, and thanks for your help you gave me on the insurance claim where I'm helping. We had a test trial role play mediation, which doesn't happen very often, didn't we, Jane? In, uh, it was brilliant. In July. Yeah. Um, the mediation still hasn't taken place, but it will do in, in the spring. So, yeah. uh, Esther, I'm going to put my uh, Christmas hat on now <laughs> and hand over to you to explain the breakout situation while I get the breakouts ready. 
Well, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. It's so good to see you. And thank you for your amazing tips. I'm feeling really inspired. I love that. Um, uh, Patricia, I love the idea of tell me what you want to do and let me see a week of your life just to see the kind of person that what you do, what you actually do every day. I really, really appreciate your your tips. But we thought, Derek and I, look, it's Christmas. Let's have a little bit of storytelling and sharing. And the thing I love about your show, Derek, is that everybody's got stories and likes to share with each other. And by the way, Mark, I will be answering your question afterwards. <laughs> a question from a few months ago about time wasters, but I digress. We said, let's share our Christmas spirit and have a few stories. And the way we're gonna kick off our stories today, um, what we're gonna do is talk about, well, conflict, but in with a sense of humor, okay? Conflict, now I'm sure we've all had family conflicts. I'm sure they're not all, they're not all funny, but you probably have had a few um, conflicts that will now, now looking back on them, will make you laugh. Now, I've got a very big family, and every Christmas, there's always some sort of issue. I'm one of six children. If you must know, I'm number four of six. So I'm literally a number, not a human being. And my, my husband used to not get on with his parents very well. And it was really difficult to manage Christmas because I've got um, four brothers, and they've all got children, my mum. And Adam, my husband, didn't really get on with his parents. His sister lives in New York. She'd fly over and, and he didn't really get on very well with her. So and I really like Christmas and I like people to get on and people just don't get on with each other. It's really difficult. So one time we said, right, we're going to try and put the whole family together. <laughs> my family, all my different brothers and sisters, lots of different personality types and his parents and the, and the sister from America. And we decided to go and stay in Blakeney. And that's where my mum, my grandma used to live. And if you know Blakeney, it's in this beautiful little village. And I know Derek actually goes on holiday there. It's in North Norfolk. I don't know with the equivalent of Blakeney. It's kind of like Cape Cod. It's like the Cape Cod of the UK. Is that, is that kind of accurate? I think and so, it's a yes. cute, yep. Yeah, it's like a fishing village. But the thing is, my husband doesn't, well, they're, they're, they're not with us anymore, so I can talk about them. I love you, I love you, I love you, but I could talk about them now because they're not with us anymore. But it, they were such a pain at Christmas. So anyway, there were two hotels in Blakeney and luckily we just had our first child, so it's quite a long time ago, and one of the hotels didn't take children. And they used to be dog sitters and they were looking after a dog and one of the hotels didn't take animals. So we managed to have a Christmas where they stayed in the hotel that did take dogs. That's the Manor Hotel, Derek. That's where you're gonna be staying. And we stayed in the Blakeney Hotel that didn't take dogs, but did take children. But just a funny end to the story, I went to go and pick up his dad for dinner. They said, oh, will you come and get us at seven o'clock and we'll come and we'll have dinner together. So I said, I'll come and get you in, in the, the dog hotel, not the children hotel. So I rock up to the dog hotel and um, he said, oh, yes, we're at number 51 or whatever. And I, they have little kind of tiny little um, outhouses and little um, um, all the doorways are next to each other. So I went to number 51 and knocked on the door. And there's no answer. I thought, well, he's a bit deaf. So I'll just, you know, let myself in. So I went in and he was in the shower and the clothes were on the bed. And I thought, that's a bit funny. Why is he having a shower? We're meant to be meeting at seven o'clock and it's nearly seven o'clock now. So I sat in the room, looked around and I suddenly looked and there's a there's a, um, some, um, you know, some brown shoes and there was a, a set of crutches. And I thought, gosh, he doesn't normally use crutches. So I stayed sitting there and I suddenly realized oh, 
I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> so I, it was like one of those moments like, oh, I'm in somebody else's room and they're in the shower. So I let myself out quietly and sure enough, he's waiting outside the next time. The next door room like where are you um anyway so that was my that hasn't really got anything to do with the conflict it's just a funny story but the point is we resolved our conflict purely by chance because we never had to stay under the same roof um that was our way of negotiating separate but together christmas so really? the question is have you had how how have how have you resolved those i'll go to yours you go to mine you go to me in the morning and then we'll go theirs in the afternoon or i'll do you christmas day you go there boxing day how do have you resolved your family um issues <laughs> and keep them funny if you can because it is christmas and we do want to celebrate we don't want derek ringing his bell on us so derek are we ready to be transported Yep. into our breakout rooms yes we're going into eight breakout rooms so um be ready but i have to ask you the question first esther if you're one of six is everybody as noisy as you or do they all do some of them have decaffeinated coffee rather than the caffeinated version that you have well as you can imagine my brothers think that i am incredibly bossy and always get my own way They'll We've got some nerds and boffins and some introverts and some extroverts. I'm probably I've probably got middle child syndrome. I probably shout the loudest. OK, so um, we're going into the breakout rooms now. Seven minutes in the breakout rooms, then we'll come back. Then we'll share some of the stories and uh, away we go. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, everyone's been in breakout rooms and they've been discussing difficult negotiations, conflict situations and funny stories at Christmas. Back to you, Esther. Yes, I'm not sure if we all discuss heavy <laughs> conflicts, but we certainly discuss some funny situations, things that had gone wrong at Christmas. And in our breakout session, we had two stories from the lovely John Nisby with his Christmas pudding waistcoat, which just is like the icing on the cake, John. So your second story, will you share that with us? <laughs> Yeah, very happy to share it. And I'm sure it might be a, a situation that others arise. My, my wife's sister, my sister-in-law, her son married into a vegan family. And now the whole of that family moved to veganism at Christmas. And then we are invited to join them for Christmas. So instead of uh, turkey and all the trimmings, for Christmas lunch, you have a, a nut roast. Um, I'd just be interested in everybody else's reaction to total vegan food. If you're not a vegan, um, imposed on Christmas. My dog was confined to the utility room and did a masterful job because he consumed a whole pallet load of um vegan cheese that has spent hours <laughs> being produced so i didn't i didn't have to face that but has anybody else had vegan or a different type of menu imposed on them for um, their traditional christmas 
No, I, uh, and, and by the way, just, just to let you know, there were no animals harmed in that story. The dog no, was okay. No, he was fine. <laughs> but uh, on that note about the dog and the cheese, if, if have a little think now. I know you didn't, you, know, you said you didn't hear funny stories, but you may think of a story while, um, while I'm going to talk about my story about um, a cat and a turkey. I bet there have been animal stories at Christmas or something to do with food that you could probably share. I remember there was one Christmas Back in Blakeney, actually, again, when I was a child and we were staying in, in Blakeney on the high street and we had this big turkey. It was huge. It hardly fit in the oven. And there were lots of, you know, 11 of us there that, that Christmas. And I remember my mum and my grandma speaking very seriously about what are we going to do with the leftover turkey? Because it was so huge. There was so much leftover turkey. They're saying, what should we do with this turkey? Where could we keep it? Is it going to go off? How long have we got? So they decided to put it in the larder. And in the, you know, in the larder, not the fridge, the larder. So it's a very old fashioned double door larder. And at the time we had a cat. And little did they know, they thought they were being so clever, putting it in foil and putting it in the larder. Little did they know they actually locked the cat in the larder. Oh, the turkey. No. <laughs> so in the morning they just heard this. What's that? What's that? And the cat <laughs> and literally mauled the entire turkey. So that's so. So Jane, have you got an animal story or a turkey story? I have. So we used to have a Dalmatian, a spotted dog called Kate, and she loved to steal food. So one day, my mother made a you know chocolate log with uh, chocolate icing all over, and she left it on the side. And my mother was very strict, and she didn't like the dog. So my sister and I went in and found the dog had licked the icing off one side of the chocolate log, and we went. If we tell her, she'll be so cross with the dog and she'll be so cross with us. Do you know what we did? We just re-iced the cake and put it back on the side again. <laughs> <laughs> did it, do you have any of it, Jane, yourself? Yes, we all ate it. And we told, about 20 or 30 years later, we told my mum, we said, guess what? We've never told you this story and we're telling you now. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. I'm sure there must have been some strange food consumed at Christmas. I think Alison's got a story, Esther. Oh, go on, Alison. So mine is also a dog one. So my sister-in-law's greyhound at this time, we, we were all having lunch together and um, she, my mother-in-law went into the kitchen and carved some more turkey in case people wanted some more, but she forgot to shut the kitchen door and she didn't. we didn't realise this. So my sister-in-law went out later to actually get more turkey and the dog had eaten the lot. <laughs> So, and again, we didn't tell, we actually didn't, we never told Sheila that happened. And my brother-in-law had to, when, had to say, I was so hungry, I had to have lots of turkey sandwiches. She was hoping for cold turkey afterwards. <laughs> so I've eaten all the turkey sandwiches. <laughs> and that dog sat on the sofa, bloated. Oh, it's a dog. <laughs> That's so, yeah. so funny. So there was one Christmas where my brother decided to make turkey. One of my four brothers, uh, Tommy, likes to think of himself as a bit of a chef. He decided to make a uh, turkey pie and he made this enormous turkey pie and invited my other brothers and a lot of their friends around and they had a bit of a few drinks on um, Boxing Day. Um, they made this lovely pie and then they thought, then they, it was so big they didn't finish it so they left it. And then the next day he invited more friends around and they all got food poisoning because he didn't, he didn't heat the pie up. It wasn't hot enough, by the way. A turk, I don't know if you know the exact uh, the exact um, temperature, but it has to be heated up for twelve minutes. Apparently, <laughs> you look up food poisoning. They hadn't heated it up for long enough, hot enough, 
and they were so sick. <laughs> so beware. Well, just beware of um, cold turkey. Reheated. Reheated turkey. No, yes. have a vegan Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. That's the answer. A very vegan Christmas. Excellent. Thank you. Derek, what about you? What are you what are you having? Let's just let's just celebrate what we're having this Christmas. Who's having turkey? Um Derek, what are you having for, for Well, Christmas? we don't know because my daughter's got COVID, so we don't really know what's going to be going on at all. We're a very small family, but uh, she got COVID last week, so she's not going to be allowed. She's not going she's going to be contagious until Christmas day, so it's all on hold at the moment, so we don't know. But uh, we're a bit like somebody else. We tend to celebrate when we meet up rather than get too carried away with Christmas, being a small family. But I was just thinking about my friend Martin, who uh, we're going to Blakeney with. Um, <laughs> Martin comes from a huge family. And when I asked him if he got... By, problems, by that, Derek, can I just say huge is a, is a mis... mis uh misinterpretation it's the it's the numbers in the family rather than the size of them all right okay. well, i've seen pictures of your family sports day and there's about 42 people there so 70 70 70 so I, I, i'd I, like I to go to eva's i want to go to eva's for christmas yeah duck and stuffed uh, apples yeah stuffed apples and duck i'm on my way eva Okay, we'll, oh, go to we'll go heavenly. to Martin and then we're uh, we're intrigued about Eva, Eva after that, so be ready. Yeah, so Martin, have you got, are, are you the Blakeney person? Well, I've, I've been to Blakeney with Derek a few times, but uh, that's a conflict story I don't want to talk about. Um, <laughs> no, my story was that nothing to do with Christmas, although it was a family situation. It was a wedding. Our daughter was getting married and being from an Irish family, um, <clears throat> I'm conscious that everybody's invited to an Irish wedding but we weren't in charge of the invitations and uh, our daughter and future son-in-law uh, they did all the invitations there was 130 people at the wedding but didn't include any of my relatives from Ireland and my close cousin first cousin whose name is also Martin Kearns uh, disowned me as a result of it that's how badly he took it uh, and um, <clears throat> I found out found that out through a third party so I, uh, nothing I could do. I wrote him a letter, a long letter, say, explaining the circumstances. Never got a response. Never heard from him for about two years. And we used to be in contact touch regularly. I was over there on a regular basis. And, uh, and then um, County Mayo, which is where he and my father were from, got to the final of the, the equivalent of the Super Bowl, the World Series and the FA Cup in Ireland, which is the Sam Maguire, the football, Gaelic football trophy in Dublin and I went over to Dublin without a ticket uh, in the hope that I might get one. And the way I got one's another story, but I found myself uh, in the stadium an hour and a half before the match, standing on Hill 16, um, which is a famous part of the ground. And I thought about him and I thought I'm gonna give him a ring. So I rang him on the mobile phone and said, guess where I am? And he said, where? I said, I'm standing on Hill 16 at Croke Park, waiting for the teams to run out. And that was the end of, the, uh, of my banishment. Uh, and my message from that is, when you're getting yourself in a situation like that, somebody has to take the initiative to uh, do something about it. You cannot have these 
this uh, disassociation for people nearest and dearest to you, somebody's got to take, um, take the initiative to sort it out, which I did. And we're ever since then been, been back to being the best of friends. Fantastic, Martin. Oh, Martin! <laughs> You're getting a lot of claps there for that, Martin. Someone's got to break the um, break the cycle, which is often what uh, Jane has to do in her mediations. But uh, Ava, what's all this about duck and apples? Um, in uh, is this uh, from Estonia or is this from uh, Albuquerque? I, I have a very international family. My mother-in-law is Austrian, like from Austria, not not somebody who came to the United States on a boat 200 years ago, but she actually still lives in Austria. And my father-in-law is Italian. And, and my family, of course, is Estonian. And so I think it's a compromise. I think it's years of negotiation. We have landed on a duck because Turkey, somebody doesn't like Turkey and somebody doesn't like blood sausages because, you know, those are horrible. That's the Italians in the family who was just horrified by intestines stuffed with blood and cooked <laughs> so we have landed on a duck stuffed with apples and then of course sauerkraut is a huge staple yeah. you're uh, all welcome my family is my immediate family that will be celebrating christmas is small in numbers but huge but because it's small in numbers there's plenty of space for all of you as well fantastic, fantastic. i love that idea you all settled on a duck <laughs> <laughs> Duck at Christmas. Now, I need to have a goose. else to go before I turn the recording off and uh, then we stay on and uh, have a drink. But I wanted to uh, thank everybody very much for your support in 2021 and in 2020. Um, looking forward to 2022 positively. I haven't had to ring the negativity bell at all, which is fantastic. And I hope I don't have to do it too much in 2022 after all. Tomorrow's the first day of the rest of our lives. So uh, let's drink to that and drink to absent friends and drink to positivity in 2022. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Derek. God bless you. And um, thanks for joining it, joining me live. Thanks for joining on YouTube. Thanks for joining, listening on the Negotiators podcast. And please, I look forward to hearing, seeing you and... Um, listening to you in 2022 and thanks to my co-host the lovely Esther Stanhope thank you <laughs>